Good stuff. Good stuff. And I'm thankful to uh, have the opportunity today to just share a little bit with you uh, about what God's laid on my heart uh, this week. And I'll be honest with you, it started a couple weeks ago with me um, when my baby girl came up here and, and uh, surrendered herself to Jesus Christ. And I began to think and I began to ponder and I began to, honestly, if I can confess to you a little bit this morning, I began to desire the opportunity to share this message with you. And uh, now it didn't quite come about the way I thought or, or, or how I planned, but God knows. And, and so um, I hope that I haven't missed the mark. I hope that this morning that this is exactly what God has for each uh, and every one of you. But those of you who don't know, Kennedy, a couple, weeks, uh, a couple weeks ago, came forward and said, and she shocked me. I'm her dad. I feel like I know her pretty well. I, I was, um, you know, I, she doesn't surprise me often. I feel like I know my kids pretty well, but she... On her own, out of the blue, in the middle of the invitation, uh, tugs on mom and says, hey, I, I need to go. And she comes up here and she says, you know what, I need to be saved. You see, I was a little bit confused because she made a profession of faith a couple years ago. Matter of fact, we just celebrated together her what we thought was her spiritual birthday. She had made a decision. She had rung the bell at church camp. She had been baptized. I got to baptize her. It was wonderful. Great. But you know what? What she had was a false sense of security. And the Lord Jesus, in his wisdom, impressed upon her heart, you know what, Kennedy, what you did was good. You were trying to follow me because you've been taught from the time you were knee-high to a grasshopper, this is something you need to do. And you were doing your best, the best you knew how. But today, I'm calling you to truly be saved. And she answered. Praise God. No one else is excited about that. I'm, I'm going to have to change my membership. I ain't going to lie to you. Man, I'm thankful that she didn't sit in a pew and say, No, God, I got saved at Siloam. No, God, my daddy baptized me. I'm good. She said, Yes, Jesus, if you want me to be saved today, I will be saved today. Amen. Boy, that's good. I think that's exactly what the Bible means when it says that we have to come to him as a little child. Let me be honest with you, church. I love you. I'm going to preach to the church this morning. Um, But the truth is that there are many of us who have dealt with or are dealing with this exact same struggle in our hearts, but our pride and our comfort has not allowed us to be obedient like a little child and say, yes, Lord, that's me. I've been hanging on to a decision I made when I didn't really know what I was doing. I've been holding on to a decision that I made because my mama or my daddy or my grandma or grandpa wanted me to do it or my husband or my wife or my girlfriend because she was going to leave me if I didn't become a better spiritual leader. So I started going to church and just by osmosis, I'm saved, Jesus. What are you talking about? I need to be saved. And I'm, I'm convinced that churches all across America are full of people who believe they're okay, but don't have a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. And I don't think our church is exempt. Now listen, before y'all throw tomatoes or anything like that, I don't have, I don't have certain ones of you picked out that I'm preaching to, okay? I'm just preaching what God's laid on my heart. But if it hits home, answer the call. For a couple reasons. Number one, because... I don't want you to be disappointed on the day of judgment. 
That's number one. But number two, I believe 100% without a doubt that our church cannot be effective in reaching our lost friends, our lost family, or our lost community until the church actually becomes the body of Christ. And we have to be saved to do that. So my challenge to you this morning, and this can be difficult, no matter where you're at in your faith, whether you've been saved for a couple weeks, a few days, praise God that, that, that James got baptized this morning, that's wonderful, there you are, I couldn't find you. Man, that's, that's awesome, exciting. Whether you've been saved a few days, a few weeks, or a few years, or a hundred years, or whatever, I'm asking you, and it starts in the pulpit, to examine yourself. Don't tune me out and say, well, listen, this is what Dusty does. He, he's, he really wants to be an evangelist. Amen, I do. And he's coming here trying to stir us up and make us question, make us doubt. That's not my goal. I want you to examine yourself. And I think it's biblical. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. What I'm asking you to do is 100% biblical. I think we're afraid to ask hard questions to our friends, to our families, to our loved ones, but I think sometimes we're even more afraid to ask hard questions of ourselves. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going we're gonna to read verse 5 here. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Here's what it said. I love hearing pages turn. It's just not the same hearing fingers on a screen clicking, all right? Pages turn. That's a good sound. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? But I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. Let's pray. Jesus, I love you. I just pray there will be a spirit of truth and honesty here this morning, Lord. I pray that we will cut away the fluff and, 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 and the religion and the pride, and Lord, I pray that your word will do what it does, and that's pierce our hearts. God, I pray that we will truly take a look at our, at our hearts, our lives, our experience, and see, God, whether we are in the faith or not. Lord, it's not my goal to, to confuse or disrupt, but God, it's my goal to really get to the place where we can move forward, where we can work, where we can serve, where we can do, Lord. And I pray that the areas of my life that you expose, that you uh, help me to see that are wrong, and, and, and God, just not what they could be for you, Lord. I pray that you'll help me to address those and fix them, Lord, and not be satisfied where we're at, but God, ever be striving to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. So here Paul tells us, look, we are to examine ourselves, whether you're in the faith, okay? Prove your own self. I like that. Know you not your own selves. Do you not know? Listen to me. I go around the room, I see a bunch of people that I love and I respect and that I think try to live spiritually for God. That's what I see when I look at you. But I don't know what's in your heart. I don't know. Listen, mm, confession time. How many of y'all have ever, I hope somebody raises their hand, because if not, I'm going to feel real embarrassed, because I've done it. How many of you had a conversation with somebody, oh, yeah, 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 and then, see, so you're like, oh. 
Glad that's over because I'm tired of smiling because I really didn't feel like smiling the whole time we were talking. Yeah, I'm the only one. Okay, well, that's, that's all right. I'm just, I don't hide a whole lot. I'm who I am, okay? So I'm letting you in on, uh, I'm not here, I'm not preaching to you because I got it all figured out. Okay? Preaching to you because Daniel had a busy week and we had to, no, I'm just kidding. Preaching hopefully because this is what God wants you to hear. But he says here, you know yourselves. Do you not know yourself? Prove yourself in the faith. Why? This should not be an uncomfortable thing to examine ourselves. Now, the results of the examination can be uncomfortable. When I examine myself and who God wants me to be with who I am, that's uncomfortable because I'm not there. I haven't reached it. Now, I'm saved. Believe that with all my heart. Had an evangelist one time tell me I wasn't an evangelist that I love. But he said I had an unbiblical testimony. And we can talk about that. All, all, we can talk about that. I'll tell you my testimony because some of you may be dealing with this. My testimony is that I was saved at a young age. I remember it. I remember where I was at, what I was doing, who I was with. I remember being saved. Um, but about 14 years old, tragedy struck my family and uh, went through a dark, dark time. I walked away from the things I believed. I still went to church because my mama made me. I'm glad she did. But I didn't have anything spiritual going on in my life. I was angry at God. I was mad. I told God as close to his face as I could tell him that I didn't want anything to do with a God that would let stuff like that happen. And about two and a half years later, God rattled my cage. Now, through that two and a half years, I was miserable. I knew I was running from God. He convicted me. He drew me. He scolded me like a good father does. But I was running. And I was miserable, but I was more happy running than being caught. And God rattled my cage, and I said, all right, God, okay. And I began to, to search after him. I began to examine my heart, examine my life. And this, this pastor who I love, this evangelist that I love, and I think he is a godly, godly man, he said that's an unbiblical testimony. The Bible says that they were not of us because if they were of us, they would not have went out from us. That's biblical. It shook me a little bit because I said, Went to my pastor, I said, Brother Tim, look, I, I really believe I'm saved, but he said my, my testimony isn't biblical. So am I fooling myself? Am I tricking? My pastor said what any good pastor would. I can't tell you whether you're saved or not. That's between you and God. But he said, Was God been working on you? Has God's spirit uh, uh, bearing witness with your spirit? Has he been convicting you? Has he been drawing you through this process? Is he still speaking to you, revealing himself to you? I said, well, yeah, he was kicking my tail for two and a half years. He said, well, that's the sign of a believer. His spirit was bearing witness with yours. He said, I can't tell you if you're saved or not. But if you have the Holy Spirit living in you, that's the mark of a Christian. But what it came down to is I had to examine myself. I had to prove myself. I had to know myself. Am I in the faith or am I not? It wasn't for Brother Ronnie to decide. It wasn't for Brother Tim to decide. It was for me and Jesus to know where we stood. And you can fool the people around you. You can fool the person closest to you. You can fool your spouse. You can fool your pastor. 
your boss, your friends. But I think deep down, there's some of us who know that we're not saved, but we're too uncomfortable to address the issue. And I'm telling you, as your friend, that's a dangerous place to be. It takes a lot of humility, a ton of humility. And that's what I love about Kennedy coming forward the other day. That's what I love about, you know, James could have hit, well, I've been going to church there for a while. They all think I'm okay. They, they didn't hide. It took humility to come and say, you know what? I enjoy the church, but what I really want is Jesus. I mean, that's what we need. It takes humility. Tell you another quick story and, and uh, a couple stories here that, that make my next point, so stay with me. Had a young man who was in my youth group back at, at Branch, and, and we had a, a uh, overnight camping trip. And we were having testimony time. We were getting after We had the Word of God around a campfire. If you haven't done that, boy, that's good. And we were getting after it. We had worship. We had teaching. We had Bible study. And this young man came to me afterwards. He said, you know what, Dusty, I don't, I don't think I'm saved. And this guy was helping lead worship for me, and he was doing some good things, good kid. He said, I just, I don't think I know Jesus. So we got down to it. Man, he gave his, gave his life to Jesus Christ that night. Amen? That's good stuff, man. I was fired up. His dad, uh, I, I didn't know his dad real well. They went to another church. He just came to our church on Wednesday nights. And, uh, you know, uh, I thought, boy, their whole family's going to be fired up. This is going to be great. We're excited. We go back to church on Sunday, and we're telling everybody. I come out after church on Sunday, and his dad's there. I'm like, hey, how's it going, man? I'm so excited for uh, your son. I'm not going to use his name right now, but, uh, man, I'm just so excited for him. And his dad said, we need to talk. I said, all right, what's up? He said, my son was saved when he was seven years old. I led him in the prayer. I baptized him. He was saved. So I don't know what you're teaching these kids, but I got a problem with it. I was young and dumb, guys. I didn't handle that real good. I told him, I said, well, brother, if your son was saved at seven, someone should have told him. Because he told me Jesus said he wasn't saved. So if you and Jesus ain't on the same page, I'm going with Jesus. Dad didn't think that was very funny. I was confused, to be honest. I say it now, kind of laughing, and it is, it is funny, but it's not funny. It's sad. Because if that young man would have went to his dad, who should have been his spiritual leader, and said, Dad, I, think I, I don't think I'm saved. His dad, oh, you're okay. You remember when you were seven years old, you prayed that prayer, you're good. And he would be in a bad way. Right? So today, I don't want you to tickle your ears or make you feel good about yourself. I don't want to make you feel bad about yourself. I want you to be real and ask Jesus, where do I stand with you? And I wish I could say that that was an isolated incident. It's not. A couple years later, I dealt with another dad, the exact same conversation. What was really confusing, oh, I'm going to skip over that point. It was really confusing because his dad has some different views on salvation than what I do anyway, so... Uh, if he was selected then, he should have been selected still. But, uh, yeah, sorry, Daniel. Uh, 
So it's not uncommon for parents to be more secure in their child's salvation than the child is. Parents, listen, I'm going to tell you right now. I was excited when, my, when, when Kennedy went forward at Siloam. I was excited to baptize her, and I was excited when she came forward again because it doesn't matter what I think about her salvation. I want to know that when I get to heaven, all three of my precious babies are going to come see me many years later. All right? So I don't care. If she comes back 10 years from now and says, Daddy, I think I need to be saved, I'm going to say, well, honey, if you've examined your heart and you don't believe you have a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ, let's take care of it. Because it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. When did we start caring more about people's opinion than God's opinion? I'm going to tell you the greatest revival that I've ever been a part of, and I believe it's the closest to true revival that I've ever seen. The same evangelist I was talking about earlier. Man, he, he came and he, he spoke, and he's got a way of speaking, man. I would love uh, uh, for some of you to get a taste of, uh, of Brother Ronnie. Um, but he came to our church, and he preached revival. And if I'm, I mean, I'm in the pulpit, so I definitely, I shouldn't lie to you ever, but I sure shouldn't be lying here to you here. So if I'm lying, strike me dead. Like almost half our church got saved. Like almost half of our, not, not, just, not just folks, not just casual folks who came to our church, our Sunday school teachers were getting saved, and it was amazing. And you say, well, does that mean something's wrong with your church? Listen, it means that something was wrong with our church, but something was getting right with our church. And we saw God move after that. Because we have people in the American church and churches across the world who are great speakers, and they're musically talented, and they're great with multimedia, and they can be on the safe team, and they can fulfill a lot of roles, and so we place them, and we put them, and we have no one who will work with these little babies in the, in the nursery or in the kindergarten room, so let's put them in there, because they're talented in that area, and they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but the fact they have a role makes it even harder for them to come forward and say, I need to be saved, because I'm teaching Sunday school. If I get saved, everyone's going to say, well, they were just tricking us. No, no. I'll tell you right now. If you come forward this morning and you say, I need to be saved, and you've been fulfilling a role in the church, I won't say you've been tricking us. I'll say, praise God. Praise God. Because I'll tell you, most people who are lost in the church, it's not that they want to be, it's that they don't even know that they're lost. And I'm praying that today God will reveal that to you. So what does the Bible say that a Christian life should and shouldn't look like? And how many people are deceived? If we're talking about the fact that people in the church are lost and don't know that they're lost, how can we address that? Well, the Bible gives us some, some clarity in this. Matthew chapter 7. And we like to talk about one or two verses in Matthew chapter 7 when we're preaching hard. Uh, about people needing to be saved. But we're going to look at quite a bit of it. So Matthew 7, 13 through 23 is where we're going to be. And we're going to read through this. Matthew seven thirteen is where we're going to start. It says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Now really, dig in. We've heard those verses. That's good. Let's dig in. Verse 15 says, Beware of false prophets, who they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. 
you will know them by their fruit. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown to the fire. Whoa, church, we're meddling here. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So here's three points from what we just read. Number one, that living for Christ and being genuinely saved is a narrow gate. It is not widely accepted. Okay, now I don't think Jesus made it difficult. Jesus made it very easy to be saved. Put your faith and trust in Him and Him alone. Believe in the sacrifice that He made for us. Surrender to His Lordship. That's it. Lord, I'm surrendering to you. But it's more than lip service. He didn't make it difficult, but it's not easy. I don't know if that makes sense to anybody else. He didn't make it difficult, but it's not easy. Because it takes an extreme amount of, begin this word, humility. To know who Jesus is. And then to know him as your Lord and Savior. Man, my favorite band, I was giving my kids a concert earlier while we were in the middle school printing off my notes. <clears throat> it was great. Should have been there. That was a joke. I can't sing at all. Okay? But I told them it's a song by my favorite band, Nickel and Dime. And they said, who's that? And I said, well, I think they put out their last record in 98. Uh, they didn't even know there were records back then. So, uh, But they had another song that said, you were in my head then, but you're in my heart now. Well, that's good. That's really good. That was in that time when I was coming back to the Lord. I said, man, I want to know him, but I also want to know him. And I think too many people have a head knowledge of who Jesus is. They're going to miss heaven by about 18 inches. Okay? I want you to be there. So number one, it's, it's, you've got to enter in. You have to be willing to enter into who Christ is and into the Allowing him to be the authority of your life. Number two, I love it. America's favorite verse isn't in there. Okay, but this is my this is my response to America's favorite verse. What's America's favorite verse? Judge not, lest ye be judged. Right? It used to be John 3:16. Now more people talk about judge not lest you be judged than anything else. Bless our hearts. Okay? But here's what the Bible says. It says you will know a tree by their fruits. You will know whether someone is a Christian by whether they are living for Christ or not. Boy, that's uncomfortable. Was that your place to judge? No. It's not my place to judge. I love you. That's why I'm telling you the truth. I ain't judging you. I ain't condemning you. I'm telling you that if you don't live for Christ, then you are lost and you need to be saved. If that hurts your feelings, amen. Get saved and it won't hurt your feelings no more. Right? I mean, I don't know. I, 
I had a spark this morning. I'm sorry. Filter don't work great anyway. And then I clogged it up. I love you, but listen, the truth is, you can't go to church and feel good about yourself and then live like the world the rest of the week and convince yourself, you can do that, but it's not good, to go to church and feel good about yourself, live like the world the rest of the week, and convince yourself that you're okay. The Bible says that every tree that doesn't bear good fruit will be hewn down, cut down, and cast into the fire. It's not enough to go to church. Are you bearing fruit for Jesus Christ? What are you doing? What are you doing? What am I doing? Listen, I'm going to tell you, if I want to just say my good fruit is I get to preach every once in a while, listen, that's not what this verse is saying. It means am I living it outside these walls? Am I loving the unlovely? Am I reaching out to the hurt and the broken? Listen, there is a lot, a lot, a lot of hurt and broken people around us. What am I, do I have good fruit? Because if not, I'm going to be cut down. So I think, number one, you should examine your own fruit, but I think when a brother or a sister in love comes to you and says, hey, I think this is an area we can work on, and you need to be open, because sometimes they can see your fruit better than you can. And then lastly, I want you to understand that not everyone who cries, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who comes to church will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who's been dunked in our baptistry pool will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Those things are good. Not everyone who goes on a mission trip, not everyone who teaches Sunday school leads worship. Listen, I've been in a church where I'm convinced that the pastor was lost. Praise God, I was young. My, my parents said, we, we can't go there anymore. And I said, but that's my church. They said, pastor's lost. I said, okay, well, let's go somewhere else. Now, I don't know. I don't know if he was lost or saved, but I know that his fruit didn't line up with what he preached every Sunday. He didn't get up here and say, hey, I'm lost, let me tell you. No, he didn't do that. He said, listen, I'm saved, I'm the spiritual authority. But then his life was completely contrary to what he was saying. Not only is that bad for him, but that was bad for us. Because it convinced people that they could do whatever they wanted as long as they came to church. They could be the pastor and then live however they wanted. Don't say that to, to be mean. Man, I pray that he got saved. I pray that someone told him the truth. Um, but not everyone who fulfills a role in our church is going to get into heaven just because they did good things for the church. You say, well, Dusty, you just said they'll be known by their fruits. That's true. But it's not what we all think. There's motive behind those fruits. There's, there's intention. Look, I know... Uh, there are people out there who musically fill the stage week after week, and I think we're very blessed here. I certainly am not. This is not condemnation to anybody that we have doing. I think we have a great group. They fill the, week, they fill the, 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 the stage week after week, and they lead worship because they didn't make it in Nashville. And it's the closest thing they can get to a regular gig where they get to use the music that they love. There's no spirituality. They're talented. Well, they can make you snap and clap. And not me, but some people. I, no joke, this is a, my wife's not here, so I'll tell this story. But we were at a concert one time. We were sitting on a front row, Christian concert. It was great. And uh, I was getting into it. 
Dude stopped the concert, told me I had to stop clapping because I was so far off beat, I was messing him up. That's a true story. So when I say, when you see me back there and I'm not snapping and clapping, it's not because I ain't into it. Okay? Because I learned my lesson. All right. But I don't care how talented they are. If their life doesn't line up with the message of the gospel, then we can't follow them. And they need to be saved. But can we know? How can we know? Because I know a lot of good Christian people who have struggled with their own salvation. Listen, I think it is very vital that we know where we stand with Christ because I do not believe that you can be effective if you're constantly going back and forth. Am I saved? Am I not saved? Am I saved? Am I not saved? Today I feel saved. Tomorrow I didn't. You know, whatever. Okay? you got to know. But you know what? I think Jesus wants us to know. Turn over to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. We're getting close. We're bringing it down, all right? 1 John chapter 5. We're going to read 11 through 13. We're going to do this kind of backwards. We're going to read 11 through 13. We're going to go back and hit a couple verses earlier. 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 through 13. It says, And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and His life is in, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Catch this. These things have I written to you, who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Jesus wants us to know, and he says, here's how you know. If you have the Son, you have life. If you don't have the Son, and we've talked about this before, it's not that you're going to be condemned someday. If you don't have Jesus Christ, right now you are already living under condemnation. He who has the Son has life, he who does not have the Son does not have life. And you say, well, how do I know that? Okay, how do I know if I have the Son or not? Well, number one, I believe the down payment for salvation is the Holy Spirit. Now, we get uncomfortable sometimes as good old Southern Baptists talking about the Holy Spirit. I praise God for the Holy Spirit. And I believe that, that He manifests Himself in different ways. And I believe without a doubt that he speaks to my heart, to my soul, that he guides me. My spirit bears witness with the Holy Spirit. I believe that. Now, how does that relate to you? How can I tell you what that's like? I, I really can't. I think you just, you've experienced him or you haven't. But if you're trying to live the Christian life apart from the Holy Spirit, ain't happening. Can't do it. If you, have, if you have the Son of God, if you have Jesus, you have life. If you don't, you don't. Well, let's look at what that means in, in practical terms. Something that I can tell you, okay, this is it. Because I can't tell you really about the Holy Spirit. I can tell you about my experiences with the Holy Spirit. But I've never heard the audible voice. I've never seen a burning bush. Uh, so I don't know how to explain that to you. Other than I know God has led me to do things and not do things. But let's move back up just a few, a few verses in, in 1 John 5. Let's look at verses 2 and 3. It says, By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. 
So there you go. How do I know? Do I keep the Word of God, and is His commandments burdensome? Do I do what's right? I mean, I have this talk with my kids all the time. Ian's ears are probably fixing to catch fire back there. We talk about it all the time. I want you to do what's right. And if you don't do what's right, I'm going to make you do what's right. Okay? But I hope that eventually you do what's right. Why, son? Why do I hope you eventually do what's right? I didn't hear you. Because it's right. Listen, right now you have motivation to do what's right because I'm standing right here and if you don't do what's right. Okay? The old saying, we're going to apply the, uh, uh, the Board of Education to the seat of learning. You know? You're going to do what's right, but eventually he's not going to be right there next to me. Eventually he's going to be on a college campus. Too soon? Maybe. Eventually, he's going to be on his own. Eventually, he's going to have his own family. Eventually, he's going to be bigger than me, and I ain't going to be able to whip him. So at some point, the fear of daddy whipping his tail is not going to do it. So I hope that that's not his motivation for doing what's right. I hope his motivation for doing what's right is because God says it's right. Listen, we should, we should definitely teach our children to do what's right. But if their only motivation to do what's right is they're afraid of mom and dad, that threat will eventually be gone. But you know what threat or what what motivation will never be gone? What's right. What God says is right. So this morning, if if sin doesn't bother you, if there's uh, uh, just a a place where I go to church, I do what's right because I want people to think I'm good or because I want business contacts or because... I just love music, and it's my best way to showcase my talent. If you're serving any of those other needs, maybe it's that you feel like you're a great motivational speaker, and so you want to fill a, a, a pulpit. Look, pastors aren't off the hook either. There are people out there who, who um, statistics are not great about some of the folks coming through seminary right now. Statistics scare me a little bit. The truth is... If your motivation is anything other than to glorify the name of Jesus Christ, then we need to step back, examine whether we're in the faith. Are you 100% sure this morning that you are a child of God? That's the question. Examine yourself. Be critical. Be real. Be honest. Are you 100% sure? Because to be 99% sure is to be 100% unsure. If you told me today, Dusty, there's a 99% chance that you will die someday and go to heaven, that's not good enough. Because I don't want to spend eternity separated from Jesus Christ. Are you 100% sure? Are you willing to take the odds that if your life ended today, where you'd be for all of eternity? If you're anything less than 100%, I'm going to tell you if you're 99.9% sure, let's deal with it. I don't believe God gets mad at us for making sure. Matter of fact, I think he wants us to know. I think that's why he told us 1 John chapter 5, 13. He wants us to know that we're saved. But it's hard to be impartial. So we're going to look at one last verse. And this is a verse that absolutely changed my life. The Bible, all of it is good, but this is a verse that God used, no doubt. I can remember in the middle of my struggle 
In the middle of my darkness and my pain, I went to Promise Keepers. Uh, my dad was a, a young Christian. He got saved after my sister's accident. And uh, he wanted to go to Promise Keepers, so we went to Promise Keepers. And a guy read this verse, and I'll be honest, at the time I was very uninterested in the things of God, and I just kind of, whatever. But I heard the verse, and I was like, Tried to, couldn't find it. For a long time, I couldn't find it. And then over the years, as I was doing my Bible study, I read it again, and I was like, oh yeah, that's good. I'm going to share it with you, because it's that good. Psalm 139, 23, and 24. I sometimes can't be honest, this is not the verse, this is, if you're looking down, I'm not reading yet. But I sometimes can't be honest with myself. I need God to reveal truth to me. And so I began to pray this. Even when I couldn't find the verse, I began to pray this because God was stirring. And even though I was in a dark place, I wanted to know the truth. I wanted to know the real truth, not the truth I had convinced myself. So Psalm 139, 23 and 24 said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties or know my thoughts. And see if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, O God. Try my heart. Know my thoughts, and see if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. Listen, I believe this morning that if we pray that prayer, and if we truly examine our hearts, and we say, God, this morning I, I, I'm, I'm 95%, I'm 75%, I'm 32% sure that I'm saved. Now, I believe that if you say, God, show me, Okay, uh, uh, examine me, search me, show me the truth about who I am and where I stand with you. I believe God will do that. Now, it might be uncomfortable, and you might, you might be white-knuckled on the back of that pew in front of you. Listen, today, give in. Give in. Maybe you're at home and you've been listening, or maybe you're going to catch it later in the week. That's fine. Man, contact us. If you're here this morning, come forward. Daniel, Stu, somebody will be up here. I'll be up here. I'd love to talk to you about it. If you feel more comfortable talking to, uh, to, to a lady, then we'll make that happen. Okay? But this morning, if you don't know that you know that you know that you know Jesus Christ, why wait another day? Have childlike faith. Have humility and say, hey, this is what I need. Answer the call. And I'll promise you that battle you've been battling for years, when you get rid of that, well, you're going to be a whole lot more effective. I find that, that, that saved people are more effective in the church. I mean, I don't, it's weird. No one here is going to be anything except excited. Honestly, I, I don't mean this in a negative way. No one here is going to be surprised. Because we don't know your walk and we don't know your struggle. No one's going to be disappointed. No one's going to feel betrayed or tricked. We're just going to be excited that you got that nailed down. Jesus, I love you. Lord, I thank you for the ability, uh, the freedom that I have here at this church to share absolute truth, uncomfortable truth, uncomfortable for me truth. And I know uncomfortable for them sometimes too. Lord, I pray that this morning you will truly help us to examine ourselves, Lord, and that you will search our heart, that you will show us truth. God, because we have been clouded and we have misguided and we want to convince ourselves, Lord, I pray that you will reveal truth to us. And I pray that if anyone here doesn't know you and know that they know you, that today will be their day of salvation. God, I pray that we'll quit hiding behind religion 
and falsehood and talent. And God, we will be stripped down to the one question that really matters. What have we done with you? Lord, if we've not been genuinely, truly saved, God, I pray that we'll take care of that today. I love you. I thank you for what you're going to do. And Lord, I thank you for the folks who are going to be passing through the baptistry because of the work you're doing and because of your, your faithfulness, not ours. In Jesus' name, amen.